Well, hello, everybody. It's that time of month again of Anthony's Gardening Show. And it is another beautiful spring day, and we are getting ready to start throwing down on our gardens. Now, a lot of you who know me will know that I never take the most direct route anywhere. I have my own ideas on how everything in a garden is done. And I know you all know that because I've worked with you all for a long time. And so as we begin to start prepping our soil, you've got to know that I'm going to throw in my own little side curves on you too, because when it comes to soil, soil is so, well, I mean, come on, your garden starts with your soil. And I have some weird little proclivities that I do. Like I never wear gloves. Because in my opinion and in my my belief, whenever I work that soil with my hands, it's an energy exchange between the earth and I. And I'm able to dump my energy into the earth and it's able to feed me. So with all of that known, and, and you all know this, uh, let's begin this, this uh, particular show because... This is going to be kind of one of the single most important shows, I believe, anyhow, that I'm going to do. And so it may be in some situations and in, in some of the areas, it may be a little bit duller than what you're accustomed to. But I assure you, it's probably the most important part of all of it. So all of that said, um, let's talk about soil prep. You know, like any other thing in a garden. And, and again, those of you who I've worked with know this and know me to be this way. All things begin with a dream. And so as we begin to dream about this beautiful, beautiful garden, um, we also want to begin dreaming about the gorgeous soil that we're going to put it in. So when I do that, I want to sit back with a glass of wine or whatever your particular vice is. It could be an iced tea, could be a Diet Coke. It could be anything. It doesn't matter or nothing at all. But it begins with sitting back and thinking and dreaming. And remember the energy when you're dreaming because we want to keep that energy going throughout our entire gardening. We want to be able to ponder things. I wonder if this would work. I wonder if that would work. So with that said, sometimes it's fun to be able to take your beer, your glass of wine to your local nursery. And of course, we can't really do that because, well, I bet they would probably have some kind of an issue with you walking around with a bottle of wine and a wine glass. So that said, uh, do uh, know that My Garden is coming up with the My Garden Cafe. Um, that'll be coming up soon. So you'll be able to do that. Anybody who has ever been to Seattle and been to um, some of the larger nurseries, whether it is Swanson's um, or what have you, they've got lovely cafes that uh, you can have a nice glass of wine with. And it really makes for a good opportunity. You know, it is a money-making opportunity for the people, but it also makes for a good opportunity for you to look around and clear your mind relax your mind and allow other things in um, as opposed to the mundane Monday through Friday, work, 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 work. Um, so when we do that, we need to pause. We need to become very present and we need to connect with the idea that we're thinking about. So with all that said, 
let's move you from the nursery into your own garden. And the first thing I really do want you to do is I want you to take a moment of thoughtfulness and I want you to pause. I want you to be very present. Touch the soil and let it let it let it run through your fingers. Smell it. It's going to sound a little woo-woo, but try to become a part of that for just a flash of a second because I really need you to connect with your soil. Keep in mind that what you're holding in your hands is not dirt. It really is soil. And let me explain the difference. Dirt is simply ground up minerals and even some plant matter. When we start talking about your soil in your garden, we're talking about something that is alive. There are microorganisms. There are worms. There is life in your soil. And so as you're connecting to your soil, be really present with that. Know that there is life in your soil and in your own way, give thanks for it because without that life in our soil, we wouldn't be. Your soil is quite literally alive. It is the living organism that is the earth. Wow, that was deep, huh? Okay, so let's kind of come out of that just a little bit if we can. Sorry about that, guys. I kind of am a little, a little passionate about that because it is from the earth that all things come from, including us. Um, so what we really want to do is we want to connect on a very, very, very deep level that is what puts you right into the place that you're going to begin your quest uh, for the soil. So with that, let us truly begin tilling your soil. I'm not a big fan unless it's a really large area of mechanical devices. Now, if it's a large area, I certainly don't expect anybody to be out there with a spade and a shovel, for heaven's sakes. But when you do start tilling your soil, what do you see? Do you see your soil, is it chunky? Is it weedy? Is it soft? Rocky? How about loamy? Now, I've seen some soil there that's very sandy. What does your soil look like? Here's something. Grab a, grab a nice big handful and smell it. Does it have a nice, rich, organic aroma to it? One of the things that I like to do before I ever start putting a garden together is the area that I'm creating it. I like to, after I'm done tilling it and uh, digging it up and loosening it up a bit, I do like to dig um, several holes. And I'm going to dig them about six to 10 inches deep. I'm going to fill them up with water. And I'm interested in what is my drainage like? How does that work out? If we have good drainage, then we are really set to start moving a little bit further. Your garden begins with beautiful soil. And part of that beauty are many things that we can't see. I really recommend that you all, as avid gardeners, 
have a pH test kit on hand. And also you can find test kits that will tell you the nutrient level in your soil. All of these are really, really, really handy. Your, your pH should run right about 6.5 to 7. Um, I'm very interested to hear what your nutrients are like. I like that they're going to test for the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, but I like even more that you can test for micronutrients and trace elements. I think that is, I think those are so important and so oftentimes overlooked. When we're also playing in that soil, do we see any worms? Do you see the worms that go up down or the ones that go side to side? These are wonderful because they're going to add air to your soil. And while I've heard in the past that some people have thought, ooh, air in your soil is not good. Actually, air in your soil is imperative, but air around the roots of your plants, probably not so great because they can get cold. So now that we're kind of starting to answer some of these preliminary questions, um, what do we do about all these things? So first things first is that we really want to bring the pH under control. You're, gonna, you're going to go to your local nursery and ask for um, either some lime or some sulfur, something to uh, start adjusting that pH. Now, when you're using these products, Y'all, I've been gardening for, well, I, I, I've, I've been doing this for well over 40 years. So I still read directions on the package. So I don't want you to feel weird about, oh, I've been doing this for years and years and years. I don't have to read directions. Everybody needs to read the directions on everything that they use and put into the soil. That way you're going to know how much to put in. Um, we don't want to put too much in. What happens if you drop your pH to three or, or even worse up to about nine? That would just be horrible. Um, and that would literally take your garden out of the running for that entire year. So let's add the proper amounts. Let's find out what kind of nutrients are in our soil and then begin working with that because ultimately what we're doing is we're creating a collaboration or a partnership between us and the soil that way we can get our final um, goal which would either be a beautiful flower bed or vegetables or whatever you're growing so that's going to be kind of where we're going to really really lay the foundation for this now i want to talk to you about some common nutrients I know you guys are going to hear this and roll your eyes. I know. First thing I love to use, Malibu compost. Anthony, why do you beat the drum on Malibu compost? I'm going to tell you. Because it is the only product of its kind on the market that I'm aware of right now. It is the only compost that I know of that is 100% organic. It is biodynamic which basically means, uh, without a long, long, in-depth conversa uh, conversation, it basically means that they heated the compost up to an extreme heat and then quickly cooled it down. Now, what happens when they do that is that you have got beneficial bacterias and enzymes coming towards each other, eating each other, and if you'll pardon the expression, they're pooing out nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. It is an amazing product. It is more expensive. You are right, but it's worth it. 
What's really nice is that anything that you don't use in your garden, you can certainly keep in the bag and you can fertilize your houseplants with it. It's a beautiful thing. Now, y'all in the Pacific Northwest have a real benefit of this because right now, Malibu compost is not not in the, on the East Coast. It's not in New Jersey anyway. So you have a real benefit with this because it is amazing. It is a product that I have stood by and sold for years now, and I can't get enough of it personally. So I do recommend as much as you can afford and mixing that into your soil. Also, chicken poo. I prefer chicken poo over any other kind of uh, poo because it doesn't seem to run quite as hot. And there are so many interesting nuances to the composite of it. In other words, it has nitrogen in it. It has trace elements in it. It has all sorts of amazing, amazing things in it that are fantastic. Now, I'm not dissing um, the cow poo. Uh, cow poo tends to run a bit hotter, but if it is well composted, and by the way, both of these need to be well composted, very, very well composted. If you get those well composted, you've got gold on your hands. This is absolutely one of the most marvelous, marvelous combinations. I'm also going to say compost. Now, I did Malibu compost and compost completely separate because compost generally tends to be basic organic matter. Now, everybody sells compost. What I want you to do before you even buy it is I want you to put it in your hand, and if you can identify that was a raw, uh, that was a twig or that was a leaf, put it down. Go wash your hands with soap and water, and pass on it. That is not done. So, part of the reason that I get so emphatic about that is that one of the bacterias that a co that compost uses is E. coli. Now. Years and years and years ago in Seattle, they had a situation where a popular brand of compost was being sold. Unfortunately, they weren't letting it compost long enough. And a few people ended up with E. coli. And to my, to, if I remember correctly, one person died. Can you imagine dying from gardening? I, you know, I can think of dying and then being shoved in a garden, but I don't want to die from gardening. I mean, I think I've got other ways that I prefer to prefer to meet my maker. So it is important that we make sure. And if you buy compost in bulk, don't buy it over the phone. Don't buy it online. Go look at it. Uh, there are a number of places between Linden and Bellingham that carry soils and, and compost. You go look at it first. Touch it with your hands. Bring your, your sanitizing mist, because um, after you're done, I want you to sanitize your little hands. Let's make sure that what we get is good for you and good for your earth. Um, I don't want anything to run too hot that's going to burn your plants, um, or you're going to have to let it maturate for about a month or two. So there's my beating the dead horse on compost. Um, I'm a huge advocate of composting. I love when people compost, but let's do talk about your compost bin for a moment, shall we? Um, do you have a cupboard where no rain gets to it? Are you out there weekly turning it? Did your compost heap turn into a, well, 
pile of sludge. So unless you're really working with it and aerating it and keeping it dry, your comma, I hate to tell you this, but your compost pile is probably not doing so well. And you probably don't have such great uh, um, compost in there. It is something that a lot of people like to do, but few people do it correctly. So remember that when we are composting our kitchen scraps or leaves or whatnot, there are a few guidelines that we really do have to pay attention to. It needs to be in a bin that has air that can pass through it. It needs to be turned weekly. And there are some accounts that actually say bi-weekly. And it needs to have a roof over it so that it doesn't get wet. That's it. That's what it takes. The only moisture that your compost should have is the moisture that you put on it, which is very little. So I'll be done be, I'm done beating that dead horse. If you have questions on this, of course, you're always, always welcome to write me at askantony at outlook.com. So now let's talk about drainage, because, you know, I it's been my experience that in Bellingham, drainage is really, really hit and miss. I've been to gardens that naturally have some of the best drainage I've ever seen. And I tell you what, I've been in gardens in Bellingham that have clay. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that there's such extremes there. But let's let's do talk about if we have issues with our drainage. There are a lot of things that you can do about this. If you have, if if what when we go through all this, this list of things. And you say, you know what, Anthony, I've tried all that. Then it may be time to put in a French drain because there are times when our clay becomes so solid and so difficult to work with that a French drain is the next best thing. So some of the things that I like to use, soil building conditioner is, and I think you all know what that is. It's in these big bales that are orange and white. Um, and it is basically finely ground up pine bark or pine product. It is a decent product. It's available at both my garden as well as at Garden Spot. And it is a good product. I always tell people use, use a lot more than you think you are because the earth has this nasty little way of eating it all. There's also things like um, small bark. I've seen people use a small bark and mix it into their soil and they've actually had really decent success. I have never used small bark. I have used a, a soil building conditioner, but I've never used small bark. But they're using it, and I have a feeling those people tend to be a little bit more up in the alpine. Uh, think along the line of Mount Baker, or the uh, what is it, Mount Baker Rim? Um, those people up there generally tend to use that because that's basically what their soil is made of anyway. We can also use things like sand. If you don't already have a sandy loam soil, then we can go ahead and use some sand and that will help some drainage. I would couple that with some small pebbles. I know when I put together potting soil, I like to use a mixture of half potting soil, uh, three, uh, probably about a third of bonsai mix because it's all, it's all pretty much fine gravel and a little bit of sand. And that usually makes a really good potting soil for me. So I like to use the same thing outdoors, just without the potting soil, because of course we don't need to hold on to any, any water. We, you, you get plenty of water on your own, don't you? So let's definitely think about 
those type of uh, those type of elements. And again, if you use all of those and you still have a drainage issue, then we may have to look even a little bit further and possibly do some kind of a French drain. I know this is going to seem kind of bizarre to you, but you know another thing that is really great for aeration and drainage, believe it or not, earthworms. Yes, earthworms. Now, my dear friend Paige, at, who is the owner of Garden Spot Nursery, um, she used she actually taught me a lot about worms when uh, when I worked with her. She grows them, or raises them, or farms them. Hmm. I wonder what the right the right term for that is. I wonder if she takes them out to the pasture and lets them graze. Anyway, so she may uh, she creates these worms and and. Unfortunately, right now, she is unable to fill any orders because of uh, her world being so busy right now. But within about a year or so, she'll be back to raising worms and selling them by the pound. But there are a couple of different kinds of worms. There are worms that grow that only go up and down. And then there's worms that only go side to side. Who knew? But you want both of those in your soil so that you can have proper aeration as well as proper drainage. These are all really, 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 really important things. Um, and we're gonna get back to worms here in just a couple seconds though. Let's talk about, so Anthony, I did a, a nutrient test and I'm pretty nutrient void or conversely, I'm lacking on these nutrients. No problem. You know, whenever it comes to the soil, and, and I think a lot of you who I've worked with know that I don't necessarily have any great love affair with a lot of organics. But in this particular case, when it comes to the soil, because there's so much life in there, I really, really do have a, have a strong compelling for it. When I talk about putting nutrients into the soil, again, we're going back to Malibu compost because it's, it has so many nutrients. But beyond that, you can also buy loose blood meal, bone meal, and potash. If you have a fireplace, then you sh I hope you're taking all those ashes whenever you clean your fireplace and dump them in the garden because they're really, really, really good for the earth. That's uh, potassium. And potassium kind of acts like um, vitamin C. That's a good way to put it. Acts like vitamin C to you and me. Whereas bone meal, of course, is phosphorus and that aids in root development as well as uh, flower formations. And blood meal, of course, pushes green growth. It's good for foliage. Now you can also buy packs of micronutrients and trace elements that you can dump in the soil as well. All of these are going to be really, 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 really good for your garden and they're going to actually they're going to add some a lot of uh, much needed nutrients and you'll probably be able to grow almost anything now if you tell me well i've got a half acre garden i don't have the money to go buy this all. i totally get it um i do want to bring to your attention that at my garden nursery they of course sell bulk soil but now they're selling bulk soil with Smith's compost. If you know Smith Dairy, Smith Dairy is a marvelous, marvelous. I actually used to buy their milk when I lived there. I love their milk because it was so tasty. But dairy compost is really a beautiful, beautiful thing because most of their, most of their cows are grass fed. So 
Consequently, it is never a bad idea to do that, uh, to put in those type of uh, elements. What I really like about it is that Smith's Dairy is local. Now, I'm all for keeping things local. I would really prefer to not have to go outside of Washington State or the Pacific Northwest in this particular case to buy things like that when my soil is already accustomed to what is native. And Smith's is definitely a native. Some things that I want you to start putting in the back of your mind is worm farming. Yes, you heard me right. Worm farming. I think that you're going to find that if you start this, and particularly those of you with children, you're going to find hours and hours of fun. And it is such an amazing opportunity to educate your children as to the life of a worm. I mean, as a kid, especially if you got boys, who doesn't like worms? And you know what? Girls too. Girls love worms too. So why would we not want to do that? It is so inexpensive to get started. Uh, I know that at Garden Spot Nursery, they have worm farms that are multi-leveled. They have a little bit simpler worm farms at My Garden Nursery. So they're really cool. It gives you a kind of a neat opportunity to throw certain yard scraps, um, kitchen scraps in there. And it gives you this great opportunity to watch worms multiply. And it's kind of fun because, if again, if you have children, you get that opportunity to let them become completely fascinated with how worms live because they can pull it off, pull the top off, and they can sit there and watch them. I think all of that is really, 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 really fun. So I love the idea of, of worm farms. And until then... You can certainly go by worm castings. Now, we haven't talked about worm castings yet. Uh, worm castings are quite literally just that. They are worm casting. It's basically the soil that, that they were raised in, the worms were raised in, and you get all those nutrients. Now, it's available in big bags. I tend to not add too terribly much to a garden because kind of like a really, really good cannoli, it's rich. And so I like to add a little bit. But I, that's going to be one of those I'm going to add a little bit more in moderation. I continually maintain that we start these gardens with a dream. And hopefully we continue to expound upon that dream. Now let's kind of go into a little bit more, a little bit more of that metaphysical, spiritual side of, of, of soil. When we work with the soil, there is an energy to it. And part of our job as gardeners and as people who practice mindfulness is to try to harmonize with that particular uh, uh, energetic vibration. So I typically like to put my hands in the soil in all phases of it, absolutely every phase of it. And I close my eyes for a moment and I don't think of anything. All I want is for myself and the soil to become one. If you continue to practice this, I guarantee you, you're going to get inspiration in places that you never thought you would. You're going to get potentially information that you're going to wonder, how did I know that? 
you will have a profound knowledge of your earth. And that's important because, again, remember, what we put into the soil is ultimately what we're going to get out of it. So as we move forward and continue to play in the sand and to play in the dirt and to plant these beautiful flowers, let us go forward being very, very mindful because when we are able to become very present, we see things that most people miss. We get information. And again, there's been, there's been so many times when I have wondered, how did I know that? You know, I, I, I went to school for this, but there are certain things that you will find that you're like, you, it's almost like it's innate. You just know that. And if you become proficient with this, kind of like Dorothy in the Findhorn community in Scotland, if you become proficient and you really, really keep this up, you will eventually begin to develop communication with the, what she refers to as the soil angels or the soil devas. It is a give and take of information. And I feel like many people in the Pacific Northwest are so open to this and they're so on to on point with this. Let's just keep doing it. Because, and I also encourage you to journal your experiences. I think that is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And you know, I would just be honored if you would share that with me. Um, you can uh, kind of shoot me an email at askantony at outlook.com. And I'm happy to send you my private number and let's talk about your communications and let's, let's compare. I've been doing this kind of work for many years now, but I want you to do it. Because the reality is, is in a time when humans are really destroying the earth, we have the opportunity to take the earth and to give, give back to it, to nurture it as the earth has nurtured us.